0: Hey everybody, it's Matty Conrad here. Thanks for tuning in this week to Whiskey Tango Foxtrot. I just got back from a trip to London. Let me tell you, the jet lag is real. And I am struggling, but you know what? I really wanted to make sure we had a great episode for you this week. Now, this is somebody I actually spent time with this week across the pond in London, but this podcast was recorded a couple of weeks, but prior to that, when we were in Washington, D.C. I think one of the most divisive Issues in our industry these days is undoubtedly social media and it's role in our industry now Whether you love it or whether you hate it. I don't think it's going anywhere my friend Chris Jones Just as short as two years ago was a self-proclaimed Technophobe and had absolutely no interest in social media Just wanted to take care of his clients behind his chair in his southern Texas salon Two years later, he now boasts of following over 200,000 followers, does videos that have hundreds of thousands of views online. It seems that he's figured out something about social media that the rest of us haven't. So let's talk to Chris today and find out how this Southern Country Boy became the media darling of the hair industry in such a short amount of time. So, stick around and listen to the podcast, enjoy yourself, and afterwards, I'll reveal who won this week's Listen and Share contest. You're listening to Whiskey Tango Foxtrot with your host, Maddie Conrad. Hey, what's up, everybody? Thanks again for tuning in this week to Whiskey Tango Foxtrot. We're traveling around the world talking to some of the most interesting people in the hair industry. Uh, Very fortunate to call some of these people my friends. And I am right now in the heartland of America. We are in the nation's capital. And it's not my nation. I mean, I'm Canadian, but it's definitely your nation. And uh, we've been spending a lot of time here for the BTC show. So we're right now at National Harbor overlooking the beautiful National Harbor. We're going to be sitting down and talking to my good friend. Uh, Mr. Chris Jones. Now, Chris Jones is somebody who some of you might not have heard of. He is a hairstylist who has recently, and I mean recently in the last probably like 18 months, risen to extraordinary notoriety on Instagram. He's uh, incredibly well-known, been nominated for a number of awards, and kind of late in the game to this whole thing. So I'd like you guys to welcome to the podcast, and certainly my best welcome to the podcast to Mr. Chris Jones.
1: Thank you, Manny. It's a pleasure to be here.
0: Hey, buddy. Thanks a lot for stopping in with us. Us. I really appreciate you making the time to come and chat with us. This is going to be a lot of fun.
1: Absolutely.
0: So we're here for the BTC show. And I mean, this is a thing. I feel like BTC is a is a thing where uh, you have kind of cut your teeth on BTC. I mean, this is a thing that's definitely, I think, been instrumental in in your notoriety and in people getting to know who Chris Jones is. But I would like you to talk to our listeners a little bit. Some of those people that don't necessarily know who you are, um, Given the, the the Cliff Notes. Where'd you come from? How did you get here? Who is Chris Jones?
1: Yeah. So uh, you know, I grew up in Texas in the suburbs, and um, you know. Moved around a little bit with my dad. He was in oil and gas, as most of us are from Texas. I'm shocked by that yeah, statement. Yeah. Oil and gas in Texas. No, my dad was, uh, my, both my parents grew up in Odessa, Texas, which is all oil and gas. And they moved me away from there, actually to the Dallas area when I was a year old. And had they not moved me away, I don't know, I don't think I'd be doing hair today if I grew up in Odessa, Texas.
0: Why Why not? But, what's What's wrong with Odessa, Texas from the no, hair it's standpoint?
1: Just, it's, I just don't think that, you know... I already grew up in a small town, in you know a suburb of Houston, and so you know to grow up in an area like Midland, Odessa, which is all oil rigs and stuff like that. I just don't know that you know hair would have been presented to me um, like it was in in the Houston area.
0: So when did when did you move out of Odessa? When was oh, your when was, was your exodus from from was, the hair uh, you know abyss that is I <laughs> Odessa? I was a year old.
1: Thank God. A year old. Okay, year so old. you don't even remember that. You don't no. even have
0: friends back there.
1: No, no friends back there. No All family. Right. Nothing but like that.
0: Enough to be from there. It's like that's that's the homeland.
1: That's where I was born.
0: Now now really Houston not too far from Odessa. What was so different when you moved into Houston?
1: Um, you know, I think just moving into a metropolitan area. You know, there's just a little more opportunity. Even though I was from 30 miles north of Houston, you know, you I was in a pretty affluent area mm-hmm. where it's kind of like the Orange County of L.A. There's, oh, okay. You know, there's a fair amount of money and a, a little more opportunity, even though whenever I moved to the area where I'm from called the Woodlands, there was probably no more than 10,000 people now I've been to there.
0: I've been to the woodlands yeah and I mean the I woodlands took your class yeah that's right I mean you're at you're in that class that I was, I was that, in that was class. at it was really funny though because I mean I, I remember going out to the woodlands and that was not what I expected Houston to look like <laughs> you know what I mean you go out to woodlands and it, it felt like I was in Beverly Hills a little bit It's but pretty like, nice yeah. I mean there was dudes driving real expensive cars and like all the buildings were brand spanking new yeah, you know it looked like somebody yeah. transported a whole lot of money to one area and said this is where we will settle with all our cash.
1: no that's exactly what I happened i mean there was it's a it's a master plan community Mm -hmm. that was it's probably about 30 years old now maybe even a little more than that i mean really the woodlands started in the late 70s and but it was an it was a, a sawmill town no and you know now it's just blown up to where we're getting literally a louis vuitton store next uh late this fall. So <laughs> I mean, we're on the map. All that
0: oil money is treating you guys. We're, all right. We're on the maps. So. Now, is that why you decided to open your shop there? Is that why you decided no, to put that, us on that's
1: the... literally where I grew up. Okay. I mean, I've been there since the second grade. I've literally cut hair on the woodlands for almost 24 years. Man.
0: So you've really seen it transform. Yeah. The last few that's years. That's home. That's home. Man, that's cool. So is, as a local, do you kind of resent the change or do you welcome the change? No,
1: I love it. Yeah. I love it. I mean, we used to have to, you know, to go back to school shopping, we would, you know, drive 45 minutes away just to the nearest mall. And now we have literally everything you can imagine. Yeah. So, yeah, that's home.
0: All right. Now you've just stayed put there. You've stayed put. You've got a family of your own now. You've got a salon.
1: Yeah. No, I've got a salon that's in um, a business partner. And we've got about almost 3,000 square feet.
0: That's huge. And
1: yeah, wow. we. but you know what? We don't have a lot of chairs. We have 10 chairs. Mm-hmm. And we have some apprentices that are amazing help. And, um, you know, we just decided to open a salon. It's a commission salon. Mm-hmm. And you know, we didn't want to have a, you know, 12 or 15 or 20 chairs and 3000 square feet. We wanted each stylist to be sort of have their, you know, their own featured area. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's been great. Well, oh, that's cool. Yeah. Now
0: you didn't start out though. It's a salon owner, you know And I mean? Growing up no, in, in no. woodlands, you didn't just boom salon and I have all these abilities. Where'd you start with hair?
1: No, I went through the ranks. I, you know, I, back whenever I was a you know, in high school, I worked retail, hmm. worked, believe it or not, a surf and skate shop in Texas. I, don't but, uh... <laughs>
0: <laughs> I am not surprised by that yeah. at all looking at you.
1: No. And so, you know, a friend of mine that I worked with called me and said, you know, I'm a receptionist at a salon here in the Woodlands. The guys are really cool here. I think you'd like it. It pays a couple of, you know, a couple of dollars more an hour than what you're making now. Is that something you'd be interested in? She was just trying to fill her position. Wow. And I was already cutting my own hair, cutting my buddy's hair in high school and stuff like that. Well, how did that start, a, though? Like, did you no, just have so, an affinity? Or? So, no,
0: I had... Because, I mean, I don't think of dudes in Texas hanging out. Like, I mean, that's that's deep in football territory. No, this is, this is a You know, so story. I don't think these dudes are sitting around going like, hey, man, would well, not you guys cut my hair for me? No,
1: so, when I was 14, my buddy and I, we used to, you know, we used to wear an undercut back before, like back when it was... Shaved on the sides and the back, long on top. And my parents wouldn't pay for me to get a haircut every you know, week. And I, and I wore like a one on the sides and the back. Okay. And so he and I took our haircut money and went and bought and split a pair of wall clippers. Back in the day, you know, from Walmart, like the the Walmart version of Wallclovers. Sure, yeah, yeah. And he would cut my hair and I would cut his. and then How were
0: those first couple of haircuts? How'd those go over?
1: You know, as long as there was no fading involved, it was fine. (laughs) (laughs) It was like a one all the way up. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Take the guard off, clean up your neck, and that's it. There it is. But um, no, and then he and I ended up going to different high schools. We lived just far enough apart and i ended up having the clippers i just had happened to have them at my house and so i started cutting my own hair and they were terrible <laughs> but i didn't pay for a, i have not paid for a haircut since i was 14 years old
0: wow
1: and so... Did you
0: ever get real creative? Do you ever, like, try something out one time or you'd see something in a magazine the only, or on no, no, TV no, no. and be like, I'm going to try to do that?
1: No, I would... I cut some gum out of my hair, and that was about as creative <laughs> as I got. It's real functional. <laughs>
0: yeah. Oh, man, I love it.
1: But no, so I just... You know, I would literally cut my friend's hair in high school, and it was usually after a couple of beers and in my garage, literally, like, sweating in Texas. Mm-hmm. And, the you know, the guards are sticking to the scalp, and it was a <laughs> nightmare, but... No, that's how I got started. And then, you know, I think the one thing that really got me into doing hair is my mom was not a hairdresser, but she would always cut my hair. She would cut my sister's hair. She would pull her own hair through a cap, and she would... And so I was never resourceful. Yeah, was resor- yeah.
0: My mom did the same. But I mean, like it was if you look at the pictures of me when I was a kid, it is evident that, the, that there is not the skill set there.
1: No, <laughs> like, <laughs> there was no skill. But, but, you know, I just wasn't afraid to to cut my hair. Yeah. And then later I found out. Well, I'll, I'll jump back a little bit. But later I found out that my grandmother was a owned a beauty shop. Oh, in your the 60s, legacy. And my great grandfather was a barber in the early 1900s. Oh, and I kidding. have his shears and his leather strap from the early
0: 1900s. It's amazing how that stuff can skip a generation sometimes, you know what I mean? But I think that's very cool that you're a legacy.
1: Well, and, you know, my mom's always been an artist, and she's not with us anymore, but she was an incredible artist, and I got that from her. Mm -hmm. I do paint, I do Mm -hmm. stuff, other forms of, you know, art than hair, but um, how,
0: how important is that to you to have that still to do? Or do, or do you feel like you spend your creative juices and burnout on hair? Or do you feel like you do something else so that you cultivate those creative juices? You know
1: what? I think whenever I, anytime I've ever gone in my career, I mean, 23 years is a long time. But anytime I've experienced burnout, I've turned to other forms of art. Yeah. And then, to be honest with you, in the last two years since I've been on Instagram, that's been my—it's I'm fully ins- fully inspired again. Yeah, and so I haven't painted in um, several years. Creativity is an interesting
0: to- thing because I think that that some people think that it's just like certain individuals are just creative all the time and just have creativity, you know Mm -hmm. what I mean? And, and some people don't. And I've always found, uh, there's an ebb and flow to creativity. There's times when I am deeply inspired and creative and I'm making stuff and I'm just like feeling lit up. Mm -hmm. And then there's other times where it feels like just a, desert when it comes to creativity, we're just like, everything's a struggle and you're forcing it and nothing feels simple and nothing feels easy. You know, do you, do you experience that in your own way? Absolutely.
1: Yeah. And you can ask the people that I work with up until about three years ago. I mean, I was real, I wasn't looking elsewhere, but I was, I was emotionally checked out Yeah. and you know, literally the people that I work with convinced me to get on Instagram. Hmm. And I knew nothing about it. I didn't know how to post anything. I didn't know anything about any any followers or anything like that. And, you know, some of my coworkers gave me, you know, some names, people I should follow. Now, How
0: long ago is this? This, is this was
1: February of 17.
0: So it's not very long ago. Two, this is two and only and a half two years year, ago. Yeah. Okay. Two and a half years okay. ago. Okay. Yeah.
1: And um, so, I
0: mean, that's pretty late in the game as far as Instagram goes. Because, I mean, most of the people that I know that have built the kind of following that you built. Um, I mean we started a long time ago you right. know what I mean in the we, beginning. We, we started when it was new right you know what I mean and it was easier to make something of yourself at that point because it wasn't such a competitive environment but mm-hmm. you started in the heat of the like the maximum point at which people were competing for
1: attention yeah and you know I'll, I'll have to I'll have to you know sort of correct myself i was on years ago i was on facebook instagram and twitter
0: well you should see my myspace page it's fucking awesome my My MySpace is unreal i only had
1: dial up and i was
0: i was i had that one dude that tom guy was my friend at first (laughs) and i was like man tom you are the coolest dude and (laughs) and suddenly yeah my myspace was my all the rage
1: (laughs) but no no you know i i got i had was i had a few pages um like instagram facebook and twitter and it was all private it was just family stuff Mm -hmm. like that and I hate to admit this, but I saw an episode of Duck Dynasty. <laughs> and and one of the grand, I don't even know, one of the grandfathers said, I'm a, I'm a low-tech man living in a high-tech world. And I said, you know what? Fuck that. I deleted every single thing. The only thing I had on my phone was Words with Friends. Huh. I literally got off everything and I said, I'm done with it. Social media done.
0: You were you were the grumpy old man that was like, "I don't want this. is for the kids. I don't yeah. want any of this and, stuff." And
1: I went five about five years. I had no social media. Wow. And I mean, the most followers I ever had on any form of social media was like a hundred. Sure. Because it was all private. It was all friends and family and stuff. But you know what? I just felt like I didn't need it. I didn't want it. And so, whenever my friends at work talked me into getting on Instagram, you know, I thought I'd give it a shot. Hmm. I did Chris Jones underscore hair, which is kind of like what all everyone in our salon has. It's their name underscore hair. Mm -hmm. And I started posting pictures and they were terrible. It was I, I joke around because I feel like success on Instagram is half hair, half photography. And you know, I know you oh, agree
0: yeah. with that. I, I'd, I'd be surprised if it's even half hair. Yeah. I, I feel like it's more photography. But yeah, I mean, there's a million mistakes to be made when trying to build a following. And I mean, I made them all at the beginning. You know, mm-hmm. and I was that guy posting pictures of my fucking lunch. Yeah. You know what I mean? I was like, yeah. all the things that people are like, oh, I'm so tired of people doing this. I'd be looking at those going like, yeah, I fucking do all those.
1: Yeah. So, no, I would, I would literally walk up to my client. They would be signing a credit card receipt yeah. and I would take a picture of their head right they didn't even know it yeah there's people <laughs> in water bottles in the background <laughs> a whole bunch of people real surprised when they're turning oh yeah and, and i thought <laughs> I'll, I'll just go in and blur the background <laughs> the <laughs> it's like a blurry ozarka bottle in the back
0: <laughs> the sneak attack model i love yeah, that That's they would funny. literally
1: have their purse on their shoulder signing a credit card receipt and i would post that shit and i would wonder why i'd get like eight likes <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah yeah no i think I've, i think i can relate to that i totally appreciate that but
1: no so i mean literally my I, you know i'm not a Afraid to admit that I'm, you know, I've been greatly inspired by other big pages mm-hmm. and, you know, video styles and photography styles. And still to this day, if I see someone posed um, uniquely, mm-hmm. It may not be a, this, the, the haircut that I like or whatever, but if their body position and their head position is a certain way that intrigues me, I'll screenshot it.
0: So you're really analytical. I mean, and that that Way that denotes, too much. Way but I mean, much. but I think when you're looking at other things, a lot of people can look at an image and be like, "Oh, I love that image," but you're the one that's breaking down. Why do I like that? Like, what do I like about that?
1: It is, and I mean, I think that comes down to the artistic side of me. Mm-hmm. I also think that before hair, you know, I, was, I went to beauty school when I was like 19, so I didn't have much college under my belt. But, you know, marketing, advertising, branding, branding wasn't even a word 25 years ago. It may have been, you know, in marketing, but not in my world. But it's the buzzword
0: now, isn't it? It's the buzzword. Do you think that people understand what that really means? No. No. That's I, why,
1: that's why the average follower has, I mean, the average hairdresser has 200 followers yeah. because they don't understand branding. They what, don't understand what is the importance you? of branding.
0: What is branding to you? What do you think is, is, um, if you could define branding, like as not, not, not like that you need to define it for a textbook, for, but for yourself,
1: you know, I would think that we all have to stand out and whether it's bleached hair and tattoos or something like that, I think you have to have an identity on Instagram. And if you're posting everything, if you're doing balayage and bobs and fades and, you know, like I was in the beginning, Mm -hmm. you're not, you have no brand. You have no, you have no specialty. Right. And that's great if you're trying to build a clientele in your local community. Yeah. But if you're trying to gain, if you're trying to get the attention of what I call the big three. Mm
0: -hmm. Which is what?
1: Yeah, you know, behind the chair mm-hmm. by far, American Salon and Modern Salon. Those are my three that those I was three. after whenever okay. I whenever I first really got serious about Instagram. Mm-hmm. Those were my big three. Okay, and um and then actually then Hairbrain would be right mm-hmm. there in there. But I've always said the big three, and but I think that you know, like Marriott behind the chair always says, stay in your lane. Okay, and it seems like you know the artistic side says, well, I don't want to be you know restricted, but the marketing side, the business side says you need to be focused mm. and that's not restricted. That's focused. And that's there's a big difference there.
0: Yeah, I agree. There is a difference between restricted and focused. I think I, I think that somebody said it best. I've, I've heard this uh, attributed to a number of people, so I don't know who it originated from. But the saying goes, you know, I don't know the recipe to success, but I know the recipe to failure is trying to please everybody. That's right. You know, and I think that a lot of people try, and especially in this industry when you're new, I I felt guilty of this. Like it was the matter of trying to be all things to all people and make everyone happy. You know, we're an industry full of pleasers. We're people that just love pleasing other people and we want to be the best at everything we possibly can. But ultimately you're right. It means that we're, we're pretty good at everything rather than exceptional at one thing.
1: Well, and, you know, to your point, I feel like we are that person behind the chair, mm. but we don't have to be that person online.
0: Wow. Good point.
1: You know, behind the chair. Yeah. I do men's cuts. I do kids cuts. Mm-hmm. I do, you know, middle-aged women retouches. I do we balayage. Call those, we call
0: it your bread and butter, yeah, right? You no, call it your bread and it, butter.
1: And that's the thing. What most people on Instagram don't realize is that I literally do everything except for perms. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't do extensions, but I mean, I literally do, I'll do a four-year-old's haircut and mm-hmm. then I'll do... You know, a retouch and then I'll do a balayage and I'll do a haircut. And then but yet on Instagram, it's like everybody thinks all I do is Bob's. But
0: But it's what you're you're known for. I think the interesting thing, though, is being an artist as well. Maybe Mm -hmm. we can have this discussion because I think a lot of the term gets thrown around these days or the attitude towards our work is that, well, I'm an artist. You know, I'm an artist. Mm -hmm. I'm an artist. And I always argue in my classes that we're not actually artists. We're artisans. And the difference is when you are a pure artist, you're really only satisfying your own aesthetic, your own creative Mm -hmm. need and your own creative expression. Whereas when you are an artist and you may be using artistic principles, but you're commissioned to create something for another person. You're right. And And you're a service provider. We get to be both, but in different platforms. Mm -hmm. You know, like you're right online. We get to be the pure artist we want to be. We can post and control and make whatever. And when you want to go and paint, you can paint whatever it is that you want. Right. But if you were... Uh, you know, to relate the hairdressing you do behind the chair to the artwork that you do, it would be more like painting a mural for somebody. That's right. rather than, you know what I mean? And so I think that the, the problem is a lot of people get into this egotistical attitude of, well, I don't want to do this behind the chair because I'm an artist. But man, like I do what my clients want me to do behind the chair. right? And you know, even though I'm, I'm known for doing all this men's work and I've got all these awards for barbering and stuff like that, I'm also responsible for the worst haircut in hockey.
1: Oh yeah. You know I what I heard mean? heard you tell that. Yeah. There
0: was this one guy and it's what he wanted me to do. And the next day he got named the worst haircut in hockey and I did that haircut.
1: You know, you got to be kind of proud of that though. I kind of am. <laughs> I, I mean <laughs> You wouldn't I mean,
0: tell that story if you weren't.
1: Well, it's just funny
0: because I'm like, I think more than anything, I want people to understand that no matter how big you think you are, someone else thinks you're trash. Yeah. You know what I mean? And we have to be okay with that. That's we right. have to not let our egos take that to heart, mm-hmm. you know? So when it comes to your artistry and what you're doing behind. On the chair. You're now known for doing bobs primarily. And I mean, like you do some pretty extraordinary stuff, but you are known as a cutter.
1: I am known as a cutter. Yeah. And that's where my heart was. Whenever I first started, you know, in 96, I worked at a, at a Veda concept salon. We were departmentalized mm-hmm. and I knew about that salon. I actually met the salon owner before I started cosmetology school. And if, if there weren't departmentalized salons, I wouldn't be doing hair today because I did I had no interest in doing color. Mm-hmm. And so I started my apprenticeship while I was in cosmetology school. So I would go to class on, I mean, you know, I had a typical busy cosmetology you know, work schedule. I would go to cosmetology school from 7.30 to 4, work in the salon on Tuesdays and Thursdays from 4 to 8, um, in class from like 4 to 8 on Wednesdays, and then work 9 to 6 on Saturdays in the salon. And so I would take what I was learning in the class and take it back to cosmetology school where all these people are paying, you know, $3 for a haircut and actually do some pretty decent work. Like I had not just the the, the people that strolled into cosmetology school for a haircut, but I had like the administrative staff at the junior college wow. as my clients. You were building clientele. Yeah. As a matter of fact, my cosmetology teacher, she was the head of the department, came to me. 10 years later mm-hmm. for a haircut, wow. which I thought that was probably one of the biggest honors. I
0: was going to say, that's got to be flattering. Yeah, yeah you that know? was huge. It's so cool because you have these people early in our industry and, and when we start out that are kind of mentor roles for us, yeah. you know what I mean? And and we do seek their approval, that's you know exactly what I mean? Right. And, and that, that's, a huge, that's a huge pat on the back for right. you, isn't it?
1: Yeah, so I mean, that's, that's pretty much how it went. And then, you know, so I, I cut hair for the first seven years of my career, mm-hmm. never touched a color brush. And then, you know, I left that commission salon, went and rented a chair. And, you know, I, I kept referring all my color back to my old salon until he offered all my clients free haircuts. Mm. And that's what made me decide to do colors because, you know, I resented him for doing that.
0: Well, that was kind of a shady move.
1: It was. And he'll never listen to is, this. Is that shady move
0: or is that good business?
1: It's shady because I'm a salon owner now and I would never do that.
0: Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah,
1: that, I have too much integrity to do that. but. And I would never do that to a stylist of mine that gave their blood, sweat, and tears for seven years, Mm -hmm. and that's how I say thank you? Yeah. Yeah, I would never do that.
0: Yeah, no, I have to agree with you. I've seen that a lot, and I mean conventional wisdom from what, I, what uh, you know, big business people, successful business people with massive salons and stuff would say, yeah, that's the move. That's what you do. You know what I mean? It's yeah. smart to me. I wouldn't sleep. No, to me, that just, it doesn't show a ton of integrity in no, my opinion. There's,
1: there's a very successful salon. I'm not going to say where or who it is, but they offer their clients a year of free services mm. to the stylist clients who leaves. And I'm like, you know, that's just not good manners. That's yeah. just not good people. So now, I've
0: been on both sides of that spectrum, though, because I've been both, um, I've you know, I've worked, and so have you. I've worked for other people. You know, mm-hmm. I, when I started out, I worked for a couple different shops. Uh, and when I left those shops, I had, uh, you know, a variety of experiences, everything from being fired on the spot when I was given adequate notice to, uh, you know, to being that kind of backdoored thing. Um, where, where people are trying to hustle your clients out. And, and I think it's an interesting thing because in some instances, we look at every person that sits in our chairs as our client, mm-hmm. and that's not necessarily the truth. You know, I, I look at the people that come consistently to you as your client, the people that showed up because of you and your name. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I, I've been in all those kinds of situations. And, and I look at it from two sides. I mean, I, I think the idea of being a stylist, it's easy to assume, well, I did all the haircuts, therefore all the clients are mine but then from the uh, you know the outcome of the the shop owner they're like well i did all the marketing and i put up all the money and i built the shop and i you know and some of these people are and, my clients that i passed on to you.
1: Here's exactly the way i look at it. Please. If you if if i don't tell like if, if i had a stylist leave mm. tomorrow mm-hmm. you know what i would tell that client where they were. Oh sure. Because if i don't that client's going to know i'm lying mm-hmm. and they're not going to come back anyway. That's the truth. So just you know, tell the truth, this is where they went. You know, if there's anything we can do with you in the future or for you in the future, then, you know, give us a call. But, you know, playing these like, I don't even worry about that. Like, what have we done for you? What have you done for me? You know what? If if your client wants to know where you are, I will gladly tell you where they are. Absolutely. If you ever want to come back, our doors are open, and that's the best policy.
0: I totally agree. I have a really simple way that I I put it with my staff. I'm you're like, you're going
1: to lose a client either way. Well, right? that's
0: a, I think the thing is, we also f- foolishly think they're ours, like both the stylist and uh, shop. Look at them as ours, and they're not either. You know yeah. what I mean? They are an independent individual. They'll yeah, come to whoever the hell they want to. And right. for whatever reason, it doesn't matter. But I do find that when I'm dealing with staff that leave, people that want to leave our shop, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? I have a very simple rule. I just look at them. I say, cool. I appreciate you giving me the notice, and I'm proud of you for going out and doing your own thing. I, Lord knows I did. Here's how this is going to go smoothly. All right. If you can, uh, you know, keep things on the down low. If you can be at least be like kind and polite about the way that you are telling people. So like hand them your business card if you want to, but keep it on the down low. Don't talk about it lots on the floor because it's bad for morale for the shop. Of course. Don't canvass the other staff to go with you. You know what I mean? And then we will be fine. And I promise to you that as soon as that person phones, the first thing that I am gonna do is let them know how they can contact you and where you are.
1: Yeah, it's fair on both sides.
0: If you can do those things, that's what'll happen. Let me tell you how many times somebody has actually pulled that off. Mm-hmm. Zero times. And I get that people are excited about leaving, but I believe that the way that you, for me anyway, I believe the way you leave a business is is a lot more telling of just like more about how people behave. Um, I'm the same. I don't like to have this like, well, I don't know where this person is, but I'm also a person that realized I can only convey to you what has been conveyed to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, if, if a person lies to me about why they're leaving or if they sneak out the door or don't come to me like, you know, and just say, look, look I'm going to go, I'm going to do this. If they try in some other sneaky way of doing these things, I'm not, I'm not going to have a, a large amount of sympathy for for things for them. and I'm certainly not going to try to help them out. Um, but I think it is an interesting thing. What you really want to do is you want to try and, of course, create the best positive environment so you can create that community. But
1: And you know what? I'm I'm speaking probably by being a little naive because we've been open seven years and I have not had a stylist leave yet. Wow. Good for you. And, you know, and so, you know, I'm probably speaking ahead of time because if someone did hurt me and they did leave, you know, I'm an emotional person. We all are. And I would hope that I, I would stand by my word like what I've just told you. Hmm. But, you know, we've just been very fortunate. Like I said, we have a very family atmosphere. Half the salon's going to be here, you know, starting tomorrow. I've
0: noticed that actually about you at shows is you have an entourage. I mean, like, I mean, I, I, when I travel around, I see a lot of these guys, but you have like an entourage with you every time you show up. Uh-huh. And it's not like fans, it's your your coworkers. They're yeah, all like, I mean, they're, and it's a big group of people.
1: I'll tell you exactly why. It's because shit like this doesn't happen to small town people like me. Yeah. So they, they, they love me and I love them back. And that's, you know, it's, it's not, I mean, I heard you, you know, you talked about to, you know, like Buddy and talking about the LA vibe and stuff. I mean, I'm in Texas. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like being Canadian, you know, we <laughs> the we're whole pretty,
0: country is a small town. Yeah. It's pretty much <laughs> it's a whole country full no, of small we're towns. We're
1: just, we're just, I don't know, maybe just good people. I don't know, but I know but, what
0: you mean. I, th- I'm, I feel the same when I, things hit for me. I'm from a small town called Victoria, mm-hmm. which is about 200,000 people. So it's not a big town. And, right. Yeah, same thing. It just, it feels surreal. You feel like this should happen to people from the big fashion
1: cities. Well, and so that's going back to how I really started was I was talking to a friend of mine, a local salon owner who had connections in New York, and he was friends with Oscar Bond out in, you know, Manhattan and all that stuff. And okay. he was, he was making connections for me to move to New York and work at Oscar Bond. This oh. was back when I was 23 years old, 24 years old. Okay. Okay. And I actually met my wife right during the the you know the discussion of me moving out there. Hmm. And to make a long story short, her and I married eleven months later. We wow! Went, she didn't get pregnant. <laughs> <laughs> I was just gonna.
0: And like, right. and how old are your
1: kids? <laughs> yeah. But but you know, I I stayed because of her. Yeah. And I say I stayed because of her, but I think that was probably a great out for me. Yeah. Because you know, being young in the business moving to New York, giving up my, you know, my lifestyle and everything. I had a pretty cush lifestyle at 24. Yeah, And, you know, so to, to stay, to say I'm staying because of her was probably kind of a cop out mm-hmm. because I was really shying away from a, a very scary situation. Yeah, And so, but anyways, um, yeah, I stayed and, but you know what I've, I always envied, you know, I always wondered what if, you know, yeah. and I, I knew that living in Texas, this was before, shoot, before the internet, yeah. but I was, you know, I envied people in New York and LA that had these opportunities mm. and, you know, I'm in Texas and I'm like, I'm never going to have that. And then along comes, you know, Instagram mm-hmm. and I'm living proof that you can live in the suburbs of Texas and stand on a stage in New York cutting hair with people like you It's really
0: leveled the playing field for us all, hasn't it? Yeah, it It
1: does not matter where you live.
0: No, it's such a different dynamic Nobody cares where you live. Yeah.
1: I may not have a celebrity clientele, like, you know, because I don't live 15 minutes from Beverly Hills. Yeah. But, I mean, I have every opportunity in this business that I've ever wanted, and I still, you know, live in the suburbs of Texas and raise my family. I mean, like, I have the best of both worlds, in my opinion.
0: So now you've got a family at home,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and I mean, that came along, uh, you know, the wife came along before you opened the shop or after you'd opened the shop?
1: No, I was, as a matter of fact, that salon, that conversation that I had with the owner where I told him I would refer back all my color and everything, mm-hmm. that was my resignation from that lease, from that commission salon. Okay. And I literally quit that salon, got married, went on a honeymoon, came back and started renting a chair.
0: Wow. And, a lot um, of changes all at once.
1: Yeah, that's why, that, that's how it rolls. <laughs> it,
0: it is, isn't it? it, yeah, it a lot a happens quick. A lot of changes quick. at
1: once. Yeah, yeah. but um, and then I just rented a chair for about five years, and then opened a like a three-chair salon inside of like what they call salon malls, where you you know it's fifteen thousand square feet, and everybody rents their suites. Okay. Well, I actually took several suites and opened it up and had three chairs. Oh, okay. Yeah, and then my current business partner is someone that I worked with there. And then her and I opened our new location. Um, so in you started out
0: in, in like a salon suite situation. I've and gone then th- literally
1: through the ranks yeah. from renting from commission to renting a chair to renting a suite to renting 3000 square feet. So I've kind of. I've, you know, sort of grown up through the business that way.
0: What were some of the more valuable lessons you learned by doing that? Like what were some of the things that you look back on that were, were maybe surprises or tough lessons to learn?
1: I learned that I have no business doing the books (laughs) and I, to this day, I have a, I have a salon credit card in my pocket. It's never been activated. (laughs) I don't even know if it works, but (laughs) it's there for emergencies. It's, it's still, I can feel like a partner in the, in the salon, but, no, you know, I just, I feel like there's there's so many young stylists and probably barbers that they come out of school and want to immediately own their own shop or, you know, or even rent a space. And I'm like, you know, I'm not going to say pay your dues, but learn the business. Mm-hmm. And, you know, by working in a commission salon for seven years and then renting a chair for five years and then renting a suite for three years and then now a... um you know, a, a full-blown salon and for the last seven years. And it's just, you know, I've, I've kind of learned the business as I've grown up, and it's made me more prepared for each step.
0: Yeah, I think that's a big thing. I, I totally agree with you. I think people are looking to jump ahead so much these days, the instant gratification, without seeing the value Right. Of 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 paying those dues, you know what I mean? Right. It, it seems like a servitude, and it seems like you're you're somehow settling or taking it less than you know what you deserve. But but really, um, the the amount of things that you learn in that period are so 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 important.
1: It's I Tier. mean it's it's literally like going to you know elementary school and then going to you know junior high and then going to high school and then going to college. I mean you don't go from you know second grade to college. Yeah. You know, and I I feel like there are lessons to be learned. And one of the, I wanted to open my own salon years ago, and I met with the the lady that was selling the salon. And I'm looking at her like, I mean, I'm booked out two weeks at the time. I'm thinking I'm hot shit. And she said, you know what? You don't know what you don't know. (laughs) Yeah. And I was like, wait, 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 she's right. I'm like, I have no idea what I'm doing. You know, I'm, you know, at the time I was probably 28, 32 years old, something like that. And I'm gonna buy her business. And I'm like, I would have failed so bad. And that's why, you know, I'm sure, I don't know what the statistics are, but there's so many salons that close because, you know, everybody wants to open a salon, but and not that I'm great at it. I have a business partner that's great at it. Hmm. But, you know, I just feel like everybody wants that instant gratification. I think that Instagram has a lot to do with that. You think so? Absolutely. I mean, there's so many, you know, young hairdressers with large followings that are amazing at hair, but it's like that, it's kind of those life lessons you have to learn, and only time can teach you. Yeah. You know?
0: Some of them are hard lessons to learn, too, especially in business. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, there's a lot on the line there, and I think it's easy to look from the outside and think, well, you know, look at you, you're doing it, you can do it, I can do it, and you're like, and the answer is, yeah, you can, but you're only seeing the outcome of what I've done. You didn't see the process. Oh. And I mean, both you and I have had a pretty long process at this point now. Yeah. You know, we, we've always looked at each other and said, you know, we were, we were overnight successes that were 25 years in the making.
1: My dad said that. He said it took you 23 years to achieve overnight success. Yeah, man. And so there was be a, patient, people. A
0: lot of tough know? lessons to learn in there. And doing the books and, and having good people around you, having smarter people than you around you, I think right. is a very important thing. And it requires you to sacrifice a little bit of your ego sometimes.
1: A lot, you and know? I and I struggle with that. Not oh. not the whole ego thing, or a little bit, but you know, I have to, you know, I I can walk through the salon because I'm busy, I'm booked months out, and so I walk through the salon and I'm going to mix up color, I'm doing it, and I have to remind myself like to say hi and to smile and speak to other people's clients because we're so conditioned to only talking to our own clients. Yeah, that when you own your own salon. They're all your clients, yeah. And you and, and I sh- and you should remember to treat them like they're they're your they're your clients. They're your life. So
0: you ever miss those times though when you didn't own a shop? Where uh, I mean, there seemed to be more of a carefree nature to the whole thing. You know, do you remember when you used to just go do hair and then go home at night and think, what am I going to do tonight? Maybe on we'll Netflix and shit. Maybe we'll go at these. You had no other care in the world other than showing up for work the next day.
1: You know what I mean? I would say yes, but I that's where my my business partner comes in. Yeah. She does all the behind the scenes, all the bookwork, mm-hmm. all the taxes. Oh, wow. Yeah, and so but but you know, then I have built this sort of this persona on Instagram. Mm-hmm which has brought in a lot of attention to the salon. Is a it lo-
0: bringing in business though? Is, are, you, are, you, are you noticing that Instagram yeah. is actually helping you build business? A
1: thousand percent. Good for you. And not and not that I really needed it before, but like I'm booked through the end of the year. Mm-hmm. I'm booking into January right now.
0: So are, what are the type of people, or maybe the better question is, did you notice a difference in the type of people that were showing up after you had built that?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's, it's unfortunately, it's a little less reliable clientele. You know, they'll book out, say, three or four months in advance and then not show. So then I started taking deposits, which is, you know, a pretty sizable deposit. Mm -hmm. And that almost completely eliminated no-shows. Okay. Um, But for, you know, the growth for me was, um, you know, when people come in, they've already been following me on Instagram, which is surreal because they look at me, and you know how this feels, like you're almost a, like a beeline celebrity or something like that. And <laughs>
0: yeah, it's weird. You know, I like, know it's weird. I I always try and relate. I always try and tell them, I'm like, look, if I was a plumber, you wouldn't care at all.
1: No. You and nobody I mean? outside of this salon knows who I am. Exactly. I'll walk in the grocery store. No one knows who I am. Yeah. So I, it's, it's not, it's not, not like thing. that. No, yeah. but they, they know your life. Yeah. They know your pets. They know yeah. your wife They or your husband or whoever it is. You know, they know you. Yeah. And so it's really interesting. And, and I feel like there's a little bit more pressure that comes on with that because they expect this, mm-hmm. you know, what they see on our Instagram is our highlight reel. Yeah, of course. They don't see our everyday. And that's why, What's you know, that
0: pressure feel like for you? I mean, cause you're, you're that's new probably, to this thing and I, it's, it's escalating for you quite quickly.
1: It's a lot of pressure. Yeah. Yeah. It's like everybody that, but at the same time, they already have like, um, you already have credibility with them. Right. So it's not like a Mm walk-in or a Mm non-request because they already know that whatever you do is going to be amazing. They think that. So living up to that is not um, like I put my pressure on myself because they see my work on Instagram. They see my highlight reel. I know that's what they expect. And so that's what I want to give them. Yeah, you want to live up to it a thousand percent.
0: Yeah. yeah, of course. I feel the same every time I get up uh, in front of a classroom or on a stage too. I mean, I, I feel like that the bigger the persona or the bigger the notoriety gets, the harder it is to live up to the hype, mm-hmm. you know? And I, I, am always, uh, maybe it's my Canadian-ness, <laughs> but mm-hmm. I, I always want to like under promise and over deliver. And it's, mm-hmm. it's really hard to do that as those things grow.
1: Yeah. especially when you, You know, I really beat myself up last week because I had a lady that came in that had waited four months for a haircut. And, you know, her hair was just unfortunately it was it was really bad. Mm -hmm. It was bad color. It was really damaged and it was already short. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, you know, I sat behind her because I sit on a stool. I sat behind her literally deflated Yeah, because I was like, there's nothing I can do for her. Mm -hmm. And she left. And I literally went to the back room and I, you know, I was, I was down. Yeah. I was like, you know what, for, you know, this superhero that I've sort of this persona that you take on, like I can, you know, there's no haircut that can walk in that can, you know, stumble me. And then I had someone that came in that I literally couldn't do anything for. And I hated her hair. She acted like she liked it, but there's no way she could have liked it, you know? And I literally rescheduled my last client, went home. I was like, I'm done. I was deflated. Yeah, And, you know, so, and she waited four months to get in with me Yeah, and I I didn't feel like I gave her what, what I wanted to, you know, but I also was limited. Yeah. So, and
0: you're also human. Yeah. I mean, we, this is the thing, not everything that walks out of our chair is going to be an Instagram photo. No. You know what I mean? As much as I wish it was, it, it's just not the way it is. You know what I mean? Everybody has those moments and it sucks for everyone regardless. You know what I mean? It's just. I feel like there is a pressure built up and an expectation. And a lot of what happens with people these days, I feel like the, the real problem for most people is, is um, how we set those expectations. All right. You know, I, I talk to a lot of people that are building their business on Instagram kind of the way that you are. Um, I think what is so successful for you is the work that you're seeing on Instagram is your work, right? You know what I mean? And I, those I are see, clients. Those but I see models, a lot right? of people these days that are like, oh, I'm using it to grow my business. I'm using it to grow my business. And I look on their page and I see a ton of Photoshop. I see a lot of filtering. I see a lot of things that are setting up an expectation for clients that I don't know if, can, if that can be met. That's, you know what I mean?
1: No, I see that too. And I, I mean, feel
0: like a lot of people are trying to build that because they're thinking of brands, what we were talking about earlier, thinking, oh, but I want my brand to be strong and I want people to look, and I want to win these, I want to get this attention. But really when it translates to getting people into your chair mm-hmm. and being able to provide them with what they expect,
1: right? it sets you up for failure. failure. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, you know, that's the the main reason I got on Instagram was because, you know, a little pressure from my, my coworkers. But I wanted to, when I started seeing these pages that I followed and, there, and the number of followers they had, and I understood that with followers comes opportunities. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I did not get on Instagram to build a clientele. Okay. I got on Instagram because I wanted free shit, first of all. <laughs>
0: <You know? laughs> well, I mean, that That's comes. The, yeah.
1: That was the God's honest truth. I yeah. wanted free Clips has, the, has that worked out for you? you it's it? been very good. Yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so, don't, do you feel a note when people send you stuff? Because they send me lots of stuff. But when they send you stuff, do you feel a responsibility to post for them?
1: No. I, and as a matter of fact, I decline ninety percent of the opportunities that I have because I tell them, you know, I I'm, I have contracts with other brands. Don't sure. waste your product on me. Uh,
0: yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I tell them that straight up. Yeah. Unless I, it's something that like, like if they want to send me some men's product, mm-hmm. I'll give it to my my son. Right. Sure. Sure. You know, like, oh,
0: that where my products went? I no, appreciate it. <laughs> no,
1: your shit is in my hair right now. <laughs> it is. I know that
0: actually I can smell it from here.
1: <laughs> but no, like with, um, for Instagram, the reason why I wanted to get on there was because I wanted those opportunities that I didn't get 23 years ago. Yeah. And you know, the, the coolest, probably the, the coolest two days of my life. And it happened back to back was my first haircut got reposted on behind the chair mm-hmm and then Mary behind the chair started following me all within about 18 hours. Wow. And I think I got really drunk that night because I was celebrating so I mean that was in my opinion I'd made it. I had like
0: That was the that was the top of the heap for you. Top of
1: the heap. I probably had, you know, at that time I was doing good. I had like 12 or 13,000 followers mm-hmm. and um and then, you know, nothing happened for a while mm-hmm. and then I got a phone call that behind the chair Wanted me to be part of the um, the, the BTC team at 19,000 followers, which was the lowest they had ever had. Okay. Normally they're like you know 40, 50,000 followers. Now
0: the, what is the BTC team?
1: It's a it's basically a team of you know influencers that behind the chair connects brands with influencers. Oh okay. To start you know to to make that to form that connection. Cause so I hear a lot
0: of people talk about it, but I've I've never been.
1: It's kind of, you know, it's an influencer program yeah. set, you know, set up by behind the chair. Oh, okay. So like my first deal was, um, TG or something like that. And mm-hmm. they paid me X amount of dollars for three months for like five posts. Okay. And I thought that was great. And then I got a deal with Dyson and then hot tools and then whatever. And you know, but so it's a great way to earn S- additional income.
0: You were able to like monetize your, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. yeah.
1: And it's, you know, it's, it's not a lot of money, but it's, it's a car payment, you know, a month. That's it works out. It's pretty good.
0: Yeah. I mean, can't, can't complain about right. that for essentially doing what we're already doing. Right. Right. Okay. right.
1: And then, you Is know, there, so have
0: you ever like, can I ask you though? Like, I mean, cause you, you, I, you and I are very similar in this. Has mm-hmm. there ever been one that come up that you just turned down? A you're campaign? Like, yeah. We're just like, you know what? I can't, I uh, know. Uh,
1: no, because, um, Early on, I took everything kind of mm-hmm. like what Buddy was saying. You say yes to everything, okay. And there were campaigns that I did not like, mm-hmm. but and that was hard for me mm-hmm. um, to post for something that I didn't believe in. Mm-hmm. So I had like two of those campaigns where I just wasn't a big fan of the the product or the company. Okay. And so I I, I didn't do any more like that. And then so really in the last
0: that that kind of scared you off of doing those. You just
1: it turned me off. Yeah. Fair. Yeah. So then in the last, uh, probably in the last year, I've, I haven't been taking in on any new campaigns. Mm-hmm. You know, I promote for two companies, and there are two companies that I use every single day by choice, mm-hmm. not because I'm being paid to use it. Yeah. Um,
0: That's the agreement I have. I, I'm open to people sending me stuff, and I tell them, they're like, hey, we want to send you this thing for you to try. And my answer is always, sure. Mm-hmm. You know, sure, thanks very much. Yeah. Oh, you know, maybe you could post about it. Oh, probably not.
1: And oh, yeah, I'll, well, what, I'll never do like, that. There's
0: a likelihood I won't. Yeah. But I'll tell you what, if I like it, like you'll get more press out of it than you could pay for because I'll use it all the time. Yeah. But if I don't like it, you're never going to see it once. Yeah. That's the risk. you no, take. Right. And, and that's the thing. I don't really take, um, I don't, I don't have any like paid stuff really. I have a couple people that have reached out to do some stuff, but for me, it was always just like, look, if I like this, I like it. If I don't, I don't. And I'm really sorry about that.
1: Yeah. That's, that's a tough one. I...
0: It just lets me sleep better at night. I don't like, cause for the same reason that you said, you know, you do a thing and then suddenly you're like, ugh, you don't feel good about yourself.
1: No, no, and I, mean, I, and I wouldn't it. lie to people. People would ask me on my com- on their comments, like, what do you think about such and such? Do you think it's worth the money? And I just, and you know me, I, I respond to every comment. Yeah. And I wouldn't respond to those because yeah. I would rather not respond than lie.
0: Now, here's a, here's a funny thing. The first interaction that you and I had was quite <laughs> funny because um, I was in the middle of, of what you are in now. Okay. When things are bl- and then like, you know, I'm sure you've noticed that when, as things ramp up, your Instagram turns into a vicious monster. There is literally a hundred DMs a day and there's a whole bunch of other, and from people you don't know, and they show up in different things. You don't always have enough time to get onto all of it or respond or do whatever. And and juggling just the social aspect of this can be really hard. But I remember the first time you reached out to me, I think you said something about an apron. No, uh, a hat. Was it a hat?
1: You had that hat on from um, right. the Netherlands. You're, yeah,
0: or that's that's what it was. And and it was really funny. And I I think I didn't respond to it or or something. Yeah. And then I got a follow up going, hey, look, I know you're all Mr. Big and important and not wanting to talk to little nothings like me, but at least it would be polite to respond. And I would think to myself, oh, I'm such an asshole. And like, yeah. And I think I got back to you like that very. Yeah. Minute. You told me that I was like, you told
1: me that sending a DM was like dropping a post-it note on a desk.
0: <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry. It's not like a conversation. <laughs> yeah. It's it's like leaving a note in my inbox and I'm sorry I didn't get back to it as fast <laughs> as you like. Uh, but uh, it was funny because that is the conversation that actually started our friendship. Yeah. And that's quite funny because it was well, just.
1: I, I, I was like, I'm such a bitch after I sent that.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but I think you can probably relate to it a little bit now because there is. You know
1: what? I think about that. Yeah. And. You know, sometimes like I don't I don't get as many DMs as you think I do or the, as, as you would think I would. OK, you know, I, I get I, what I do you get, get?
0: Like, what kind of things do you get? I
1: get like I have a thin hair and a round face. Would you recommend bangs? Oh, and I'm yeah. like, delete. Like, I'm like, <laughs> you know, All the I time. All the time. I, I loved what uh, like Dom Dom said. He goes, I don't do consultations over the phone. And, and so <laughs> and so don't. there are some that I don't respond to. Sure. You know, I get I have a huge like foreign following. Yeah. And so I get, I don't even know what languages they are. I just, I can't respond. Right. So I just delete those. Um, You know, I do get some really good questions and what I, I find most of my DMS are from are from my most recent post. Okay. So if I do like a cutting video, they'll, they'll DM me asking me about the scissors and yeah. hell yeah, I'll tell you. Of course. yeah. Cause I love that shit. So, and I'm a nerd, right? So I want to talk about it. Yeah. Or like if I post for hot tools and they want to ask me about, I told a client um, yesterday from Brazil, how to order a hot tools from Brazil, Nice. you know? And so yeah. I'm super happy. I wouldn't be on quote unquote social media if I weren't gonna be social, if
0: you wanted to be anti social, yeah. yeah, yeah. So it's hard to answer all of them, but I, I'm the same. I try and get back to them when I possibly can. You know what yeah. I mean? And, and and it's not always easy. Uh, I mean, even in just in this one trip here, uh, I'm, I'm 22 days in a row on the road on this one trip, and we're in the middle of it right now. And You know, if it's not driving or flying or, you know, teaching a class or doing something else, there's just not an enormous amount of free time. And when I do have free time, I'm kind of loving doing this, Yeah. you know, sitting down and having conversations with my friends because... I love the shit that we talk about. I love the real conversations we have. And I always think that when we're having them like, God, I wish other people could hear this stuff. Well, you've you know? gotten
1: to know more about me in the last 45 minutes than you have in the last year.
0: Yeah. But I mean, most of the time it it's because we're sitting on stage in front of a whole bunch of people and we yeah. probably couldn't have this conversation. Otherwise. Telling, you
1: know, like stage stories or something, but, yeah. um, no, I, I feel like, um, a, a good client of mine has owned multiple successful car dealerships in the area. And I said, do you get tired of people coming up to you, asking you about cars? He said, I'll be tired. I, he said, I'll be upset when people stop asking me about cars. He goes, that's my business. Yeah. And you know what? It's like, that's how I feel about this social media, this Instagram thing. You know, if when people stop asking me questions about what I do, Mm. then I have a problem. Yeah. So the more engagement, the better. Mm -hmm. And you know, there's, there's a couple of pages that that I followed that I really looked up to that I've actually unfollowed and then followed back. Right. Because I'm a bitch. Right. So so I'm like, yeah, don't never respond or whatever. And I'm like, I want, I've so badly wanted to put a, like a story out there and just say how many followers do you have to have before you have to, before you can stop responding? Oh, okay. And because, and I just want to send that message out there because Mm. I get so tired. It's like either you're, Either you have a social media person that's handling your shit, Mm -hmm. which I don't respect Mm. or or what? You can't say thank you. I mean, yeah. how long did, have you ever timed how long it t- takes to type thank you?
0: Yeah, It's not. It's long. like,
1: it's, it's like 1.5 seconds.
0: Now th- so. I, I'll tell you what, I, I liken this to a situation that happened with me and my girlfriend. Mm-hmm. All right. Now my girlfriend is, is an amazing woman. She is so, I am so thankful for her because we're at a place now where she understands my job. Yeah. But let me tell you the first time I would come to a show like the BTC show, And she would text me and I wouldn't get back to her for a couple hours. The next text would be, you know, it takes two seconds to respond, babe. Yeah, that's. And I would look (laughs) and go, okay, yeah, I'm sorry. I'm doing my best. I think you have to understand what is like in front of me right now where I literally don't have that mental capacity for those two seconds where I'm getting like putting every second of my time into whoever's in front of me and trying to not be on my phone while they're doing that. Right. And when we're at these things, it's so crazy. So she came to one of them with me. And you know what I've never heard again? What? That. <laughs> she saw it for herself and she was like, oh my gosh, I w- I'm sorry. Like, yeah. I didn't know these were so insane. And, and it's because we, it's not that we don't want to respond to the people on the phone, but it's that we don't want to ignore the person in front of us. Because I'll tell you one thing that I know that as disappointing as it is to not get a thank you back on Instagram. It is more disappointing to have that person standing right in front of you and you be completely disengaged from them.
1: I totally agree. And that's why, you know, the first, you know, as I got bigger on Instagram, I, I learned how to manage my time better. Yeah. And like, if I'm, you know, if if my wife and kids are away, mm. it's a great time to post. Yeah, because then I have time to respond. Yeah, if if I'm, you know, if it's six o'clock on a Sunday, I'm not going to post. Yeah, because I can't respond right. And okay,
0: I, so you base your timing for your posts not on algorithm, but on like whether you have time to talk afterwards.
1: I absolutely.
0: That's a great way to do it.
1: Yeah, I'm not going to post if. You know, if, if I've got, if I'm about to walk out the door, I'm not going to post.
0: Dude, what a fucking genuine reason to post when you do, because I hear yeah. everybody else talking about posting based on dynamics of how many likes are going to get, how many of my followers are watching right now. And all this kind of mm-hmm. nonsense that be honest, like sounds like German when they speak it to me. Cause I don't understand that stuff. Right. I post what I want to post when I feel like posting it. Yeah. And Richie, I saw Richie downstairs and he was even like, I love that you're barely posting anything these days. Cause it means I know you're busy.
1: Yeah, that's right. And I
0: was like, wow, sometimes I, I post
1: th- about three times a week. Man, yeah,
0: lately I've been down to four that. times I'm, a it week. It used yeah. to be a lot more than that though, didn't it? But like, the for algorithm me,
1: kind of nicks that. Yeah. You know, from what I hear. Hmm. I, I got on Instagram after the algorithm. So okay. I don't know what it was like before. I don't even and and but I someone, feel like I it
0: changes every day too. I don't even know what it is today.
1: You know what someone posted a while back? They just said post good content mm-hmm. in you know, post quality content and engage with your followers Mm -hmm. and that's what the algorithm feeds on No matter what algorithm is out there, it's always gonna reward good content and good engagement.
0: So what are your recommendations now? We're we're gonna we're gonna bring this down to a little thing. because we got other things to do or yeah. busy. I don't wanna take up all your time. But I do I do think this has been a great conversation. So I wanna kinda end it and close it off with a few of your like tips. Like mm-hmm. for people that are trying to grow their Instagram. You know what I mean? And and let's say that they're not just trying to grow their Instagram for the sake of it. Let's try their they're genuine, they're they're wanting to share their passion, they're wanting to do those things. And and they're wanting to grow that growing that following for the same reason you did because they want free stuff. Yeah. What what is your what are your recommendations for people who want to do that?
1: I think that their number one goal when taking a photograph should be, um, what can I do in this photograph to get it reposted? Okay. And you know, you know, I'm sorry, but. Taking pictures outside where there's cars in the parking lot and stuff, probably not going to get reposted. Good point. Taking a pictures where there's you know, a crowded salon in the background, probably not. Mm-hmm. I have a fifty five dollars backdrop that I bought on Amazon. Mm-hmm. It's black on one side, white on the other. Mm-hmm. I take it outside, I find shade, I lean it against the wall, and I take I take maybe 10, 15 pictures tops mm-hmm. and I come inside. I have my apps that I edit my photo with. People are all on this kick about you can't edit photos. Well, bullshit. You don't think Vogue magazines edits every single photo they take? Yeah. Besides, when I take picture in indirect lighting in shade, mm-hmm. it's dark as hell. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to brighten it up a little bit. I'm not I'm not selling balayage, right? So I don't give a shit about if it looks filtered or edited or whatever, but even if you are selling balayage, you're allowed to enhance the photo. You're allowed to brighten it up. Mm-hmm. You're allowed to whiten the background. Mm-hmm. You know, you're allowed to, if if as long as you're honest and you have integrity and you say this photo does look like it did in real life. Yep. Then then post it. Yeah. But I mean,
0: I filter all my stuff into a black and white, and and yeah. I mean, but that's because it's my style. And, and you're I like selling it. a haircut. But you can see every hair in the picture.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And you know, I just feel like, you know, look at the pages. Use examples. Mm-hmm. Look at the pages that are doing well, mm-hmm. and what are they doing right? Mm-hmm. You know, most are either on a black or a white background. Well, that's a fifty-five dollar investment mm-hmm. and a bunch of free apps. Mm-hmm. Facetune doesn't cost anything. What right? app?
0: What app do you use for yours?
1: I use I use Lightroom and I use Facetune mm-hmm. a lot. Mm-hmm. I use um, Touch Retouch if I want to remove the corner of the backdrop. Mm-hmm um i use inshot for my my videos mm-hmm. and that's another thing videos i've got i've got a video right now that i've gained f- like 5500 followers from one video that's
0: incredible
1: one video wow. and that was recent so you know if if you want to gain traction and you know a lot of times you'll it's it's weird instagram knows your 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 uh your patterns right mm. So if if you post a video and you and you say, "Well, I did everything Chris said to do. I used InShot, I did this, I did that. I put music to it or whatever." And it got 34 34 views, hmm. we'll leave it and post another one, you know, a week later and just keep posting them. And Instagram will recognize that, "Okay, well, this guy or girl videos might be their thing." Hmm. So it's almost like they know, like it's a tenacity game, is it? It is, yeah. yeah. And you just have to you just have to stick with it. I mean, at, la- at 2017 BTC show, I had 174 followers and I've got almost 203,000 today. Wow. And that's, that's
0: extraordinary growth.
1: It's a lot of work.
0: It's extraordinary. Yeah. Growth.
1: And I, and you know, I know we're going to wrap this up, but you know, my wife is her and I, she, it was really hard in the beginning. Because
0: with Instagram, yeah, let's talk about that first yeah, Because
1: time. you know, I went five years with no social media.
0: Yeah, and then suddenly and a then, lot s- changes.
1: Yeah, and then suddenly I'm editing photos and I'm editing videos and you know I'm I'm responding to you know followers and stuff like that and you know I, I the only reason I, I I don't know I I felt like you know it was taking time away from her.
0: Did she feel that?
1: Yeah, of course, hmm. because it was yeah. you know, and um, but then. You know, I think she she realized that, you know, the the monetary side was was showing up. Yeah. And now it's, you know, it's literally a, a full blown second income.
0: She looks at it as a job. Yeah. Yeah. That, and I think that's the thing. I think the reward uh, is it kind of tells the motivation. Do you know what I mean? Because if yeah. you're just sitting there buried in your phone, uh, I think a lot of partners look at that as they're, you're just trying to escape them. Right. You know, rather than rather than, well, this is a thing that I'm trying to do to
1: provide. Well, and, you know, it's 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 a it's a marriage, right? So you learn how to to work together and you know because she sees it she views it more now as the second job rather than okay, social media there's, you an, know?
0: there's another outcome on the other side of that though that's not just financial I mean there is like uh like you say there's like a weird quasi fame thing that happens now inside of your own industry right. how, how is she reacting to she that
1: is, my wife you know every once in a while she'll be like I don't like what that person said or sure. Yeah. You know, that, that person called you boo or whatever. Well,
0: yeah. I mean, you're a good looking yeah. guy and well, you're now at a hair shows with like, well, let's face it in a, in an industry that is predominantly female.
1: And mm. you know what, but you know what, she married me, but you know, after I was doing hair. Yeah.
0: You were I, a good looking I, I, guy back then too, I
1: assume. I think I've gotten <laughs> better looking actually. Thank oh you, man, I don't know. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> but she, uh, I, I literally married the least jealous person in the world. That's amazing. Because I don't think I don't think it would work if I hadn't. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I mean, ninety percent of my clientele is female. Literally, ninety percent of my followers are female. Mm-hmm. And but you know what? I also, you know, I put a lot of my stories about my kids and my family and stuff. So yeah. you know, I'm not trying to pers- you know perceive myself as one. Yeah. Oh, but I'm married over here. You know, and that's not that's never been me. So. I talk, you know, even in the chair, I talk about my wife and kids, literally every single client. True so,
0: Southern gentleman and a family man.
1: Well, I mean, I'm not perfect, but that's, you know,
0: Well, I, mean, I, I, I am from South. You're not perfect, but uh, I'm a big fan of you. I have been since we met. I'm Thanks. really glad we got a chance to sit down and talk today.
1: Well, I appreciate it.
0: What is going to be next for Chris Jones? What's your end game? What's your big, aha, see you later hair industry? What's What are you aiming at?
1: You know, um, a good friend of mine asked me that question recently. Hmm. And, you know, I, I still don't have one. I'm just, I, like I told literally you, Mm -hmm. (laughs) uh, you know, (laughs) I was that good friend, (laughs) you know, that just keep walking through every, you know, the doors that open. Mm -hmm. And I I would say that I'm becoming a little more selective on which doors I walk through. Yeah. Uh, but I just kind of letting fate take the wheel, you know, it's like so far it's led me in the most amazing places. And, you know, here I'm at the show with you. I'm going to be on stage with you on Sunday. Yeah, I'm excited and, for that. Yeah, I mean, literally I was, you know, bitching at you for not returning a DM. And here And then we a are. year later we're on stage together. And,
0: In front of like 4,000 people. Yeah,
1: and, you know, when they added on to the panel, I mean, I'm still, I have, I'm confident, but I have zero ego. Yeah. And. I still cannot believe where I'm at right now.
0: I was saying to you earlier, because for those of you listening, we were actually at a rehearsal earlier today where we met up Mm -hmm. today and and we were looking at the stage and it doesn't always hit me until that moment when we're there and you see all the names up on this giant screen that's bigger than a freaking jumbotron at a football game and you're just thinking to yourself like,
1: how the fuck did this happen? Well, think about it. I mean, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not... I don't know how many hair shows there are in the world or how big they can get, but this is a really big hair show.
0: It's a really big one. (laughs) And there's, this is every year, the biggest audience I'm in front
1: of. And there's six people in the cutting collab and you and I are two of them. Yeah. There's no ego big enough yeah. to think that that's not fucking cool. It's pretty
0: cool. It's pretty cool. It, <laughs> it is. You know what? I'm looking forward to it. And, uh, and yeah, man, you're, you're just one of a kind. Now tell all the listeners where they can find you, who, uh, those out there that want to be able to follow you and find you online.
1: I'm on Instagram, chrisjones__hair, and that's the only place you'll find me.
0: That's awesome, man. Well, honestly, I had an awesome time talking to you today. Some valuable tips Thank in there, you. I think, for people. And I'm, uh, I appreciate your friendship. I appreciate you that you know you you've become a brother to me. And I'm I'm really glad we got a chance to sit down and do this.
1: Thanks, Matty. I agree.
0: All right, you guys. Thanks so much for tuning in this week to Whiskey Tango Foxtrot. We're going to be back next week with another interesting and exciting conversation with one of my friends from the hair industry. So stay tuned, and we'll see you next week. Bye bye.
1: All right, guys, that was my
0: conversation with Mr. Chris Jones. Now, we had a little contest running all week as we had the week before, and it is our follow and share contest. So we had a number of people follow and share the podcast this week, and we are going to announce a winner for our weekly prize pack giveaway this week. We're going to be giving away a T-shirt, some Victory Brand products, and a support your local barber hat. Now, these things have been popping up all over Instagram. I'm sure you've seen them. And so this week we're going to be giving away a prize pack to Mr. Frankie Ryland at Frankie the Mick on Instagram. Thanks so much for supporting Whiskey Tango Foxtrot. We appreciate it. We appreciate you sharing. And if you guys want to be in the running next week for another awesome prize pack from Victory Barber and Brand and Whiskey Tango Foxtrot, all you need to do is go right now. Follow us on Whiskey underscore Tango underscore Foxtrot underscore podcast on Instagram and click and share this week's episode in your stories and you will automatically be entered to win next week's prize pack. Go do it now, and we will see you next week. Thanks a lot, everybody. Bye-bye.